Any questions before we start, Roman? Not really. Don't really know what to expect, but maybe that's better. <laughs> Neither do we. There we go. Fantastic. Here we go. This is Splice. Hey, this is Splice Pink. This is a podcast of quick conversations with people around the global media ecosystem, from media startup founders, journalists, and funders to all the tech, data, and design folks. I'm Alan. And I'm Rishad. Today, we're talking to my friend Roman Gautam, the brand new editor of Himal South Asian. So Roman and I actually met a couple of weeks ago at the Himal Media Mela conference in Kathmandu, and we sat down and had a catch up. Roman, this is actually a return to Himal for you, right? Um, and yes, it is. You know, you, you described me as the brand new editor. I've actually been in the job now, I think, for six months as editor um, at Himal. Um, so maybe not quite brand new. I got my start in journalism um, working as an editor at Himal uh, back when it was still based in Kathmandu, which was um, Himal's uh, first and original home. And then I stepped away from Himal. I um, spent nine years at the Caravan, um, the Caravan magazine in Delhi. Um, and now I've um, come back to Himal um, to lead the, the magazine um, into hopefully a brave new future. So yeah, that's full circle for me. So when you were first approached for this role, what was going through your head? What were you most excited about? A lot of the things that I've seen in the media, and I think specifically the South Asian media, I shouldn't speak about anything beyond that. It's really the media here that I'm familiar with. I mean, of course, Himal has really an incredible legacy. Um, it's 35 years old. It started out as a, a a magazine of the Himalayas based in Kathmandu. Um, and at some point, the, the founding editor and um, others on the team, uh, the founding editor being Kanak Mani Dixit, um, they decided that what was really necessary, I mean, Himal was already a trans-border magazine looking at the Himalayas as a region. And especially through, you know, into the 90s, as more and more of the politics and rhetoric and everything else in the region, and even the media started to behave in much more nationalistic ways. Um, the idea was that we needed something that really talks across those borders and talks to people as, as neighbors, as South Asians, um, rather than as, you know, Pakistanis writing about Pakistan and oftentimes with a particular kind of nationalist lens on the region's politics or um, this very zero-sum kind of thinking that um, pervades a lot of the strategic thinking. You are seeing a lot of that and you still see a lot of that bleeding into the the media. So Himal, in a way, you know, that's that's really the legacy. That's what it's been doing for all this time. And of course, that uh, for me, I'm from Kathmandu. I, I've worked in Delhi for a long time. You know, I think a lot of that really hit the right chord. And, you know, again, having spent time outside of Nepal, even when I was um, studying in um, in the West, you do see a lot of this kind of understanding and, and solidarity with, you know, friends from Bangladesh and Bhutan and India and Pakistan and Sri Lanka. And then you come back here and you see all these rigid borders where suddenly those same kinds of connections are just cut off. Um, so, so, you know, of course, there's this legacy and the, 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 the motive idea behind Himal, which is exciting and was exciting when I was approached. But beyond that, also just the chance to keep doing independent media or to, to, um, to, um, hopefully expand um, what independent media can do 
in the region, because I'm sure you guys know, I mean, it's a global crisis of independent media in many ways, but in South Asia, I think it's especially severe. There were very few independent media outlets to begin with. A lot of the, the legacy media for multiple financial and political reasons is compromised. And I'm talking about, you know, I think there's a lot of these patterns that play out in very similar ways across all of the countries um, of South Asia. In a lot of countries, of course, there is repression of the media, either overt or um, kind of between the lines. So the need for independent media, and again, something that Himal has been doing for, for decades, I think has only grown as a lot of those um, uh, even legacy publications that we're doing, dispassionate maybe um, is the word media, uh, coverage of governments and, and events in, um, in the region and in the individual countries um, have, have stopped doing that as much as they used to, um, even though you know, there's an argument to be made as to how much they were um, doing the job right to begin with. You know, the thing that has always excited us uh, at Splice about Himal is that you have a very specific point of view um, mm -hmm. as a group. Um, around what it means to actually be South Asian. Mm -hmm. In fact, you seek to spell the word differently. And, and you know, that, uh, that kind of point of view is rare and refreshing. So I want to ask you a question around what the space is that Himal South Asian occupies currently for its audiences. Absolutely. We spell South Asia as one word. So Himal South Asian is not three words, Himal, South Asian. It's two words, Himal, second word, South Asian. Um, you know, funny enough that you say space because what we've done is kind of done away with that space in between the, the South and the Asian. Um, I think, you know, the, the thinking, and um, this is something that I'm, I have gladly inherited from, um, from people who came before me at Himal, is that you were trying to create a different definition of um, regionalism and, you know, um, we talk about the South Asian sensibility, a particular way of looking at the region, because even, even toward South Asianism, South Asia, you know, we have SARC, the South Asian, the uh, South Asian Association for Regional Cooperation, something like ASEAN, um, but for South Asia, though, you know, that, that might be an imperfect um, comparison because I think the two organizations have worked differently and have been able to achieve um, very different things. Um, SARC, by and large, I think has been a disappointment to very many people in the region. Um, I think regionalism on that kind of nation state to nation state level, um, I think has left a lot to be desired. I don't think there's been anywhere near enough um, cooperation, anywhere near enough um, ways to look for and to achieve prosperity together, um, whether that's through, through diplomacy, um, trade, just not fighting each other. I think our South Asia is something that's much closer to the ground, so to speak, something that thinks of things as uh, from a kind of citizen to citizen perspective. Um, I think that also has um, always looked closely at civil society and its power. I mean, it is limited power, um, given the way that our, our uh, political systems and, and societies work. Um, but still, it's doing, I think, a lot more in some ways to promote harmony and, and cross-border connection and a shared sense of purpose and history um, than this nation-state-to-nation-state kind of um, regionalism, regionalism has been able to. 
Um, so that's really where, where we're coming from. You know, when we talk about the South Asian sensibility, we're also talking about going beyond the, the capitals, not just looking at it as, as Delhi, Colombo, um, Dhaka, etc. Um, looking at regionalism as it exists, you know, because that's really where the conversation cross border or um, between nation states is uh, very much capital to capital. But we're talking about, um, you know, the conversation between Jaffna and Chennai. Um, we're talking about the, the, the equation between, um, you know, if you want to look at um, Calcutta, um, Dhaka is much closer than Delhi is. Um, so, you know, that's really um, what we also want to be looking at. And that's really also where we want to be looking and, and talking about regionalism on that level. I'm, I'm intrigued by your experience. You know, nine years at the caravan must have, you know, given you tremendous knowledge about about how to run a small media operation, right? Mm-hmm. What are some of the ideas that you're bringing over from the caravan that you think would be useful in this in this setup? You know, Alan, you had asked earlier what um, got me excited about the job, and this is one of the things. You know, I think that Himal, um, you know, has made um, the transition into the the digital media age, um, but has struggled with it in ways that a lot of other media um, organizations have also struggled. Um, you know, I think Himal was envisioned as a print magazine, advertising distribution, all in that um, older paradigm. Um, but when it comes to distribution, when it comes to to revenue, when it comes to sustainability, um, things look very different, of course, in the online uh, media ecosystem. So, you know, I mean, part of the excitement for me is also to be able to figure out how to do that transition better, um, you know, to keep learning and improving on what Himal is doing, um, but also to be able to learn and help, you know, to be part of figuring things out for the industry more broadly. And I, I have no illusions that Himal is going to invent some kind of silver bullet, but it is exciting to to join that conversation in a, in a more kind of concerted way. Of course, Caravan um, is already part of that conversation. I was not directly responsible for for things like um, you know bringing in subscriptions, etc. Um, but of course, behind the scenes, I was watching and learning. Um, Caravan um, has had some success, I would say, with uh, with a, a paywall and a subscription system. And there are also you know other media organizations um, that have tried various models um, within India. I'm talking about also places in in Sri Lanka, in Pakistan. I know there are a few. Um, that have tried various ways of making the transition to digital media um, and being able to have revenue and a business model that supports it. I think what I learned at Caravan, um, the biggest lesson I took away is that reader supported is the way to go for small um, independent media, um, which is what Himal is. Um, for Himal, of course, um, just given the the legacy, I mean, which has always been about being accessible and open to people across borders um, to read um, and and to be part of what Himal um, produces and espouses. Um, I think a hard paywall is something that would not make sense. Um, So I think we're very clear and we've been clear for a while that membership is really the way to go. Um, So it's really about figuring out how to do that better. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in where you're going with the with the membership idea. You know, what is your personal definition of membership? It's a business model. 
at the core of it, I think, is a sense of mission. And I think a sense of bringing people on board to join that mission. Um, Himal, you know, we, we've been speaking about the legacy, um, has, already, has always had that kind of um, mission at its core. Um, that mission meaning regionalism and also, very importantly, independent media. And I think that um, both those things are, are very important to how Himal functions. You know, when we talk about regionalism and civic society, we're also talking about pro-democracy, um, believing in the power of people to, to do good things and to build a better future. So, you know, for me, um, it's that sense of mission, I think, that a lot of our readers do share that really stands at the core of membership. I think membership, maybe in my mind at least, sometimes has this connotation of kind of exclusivity. And I'm sure that that is the kind of membership that some places want to sell. Of course, we want to treat our members well and give them exclusive perks and, and a reason to, to support us in terms of the, the, the goodies, maybe, or the, the, um, the newsletters that they get. Um, but beyond that, I think it's that sense of mission that really has to be at the core of how we think about membership at Himal. Of course, membership could be an exclusivist thing or an elitist, considered an elitist thing. But when you start thinking about the fact that you don't have a paywall, that you don't necessarily get goodies in return, unlike a subscription system, which is just a, you know, it's a transaction, more transactional situation. But what are your current plans looking like around rebuilding that membership program? What what have you started doing? Um, so, you know, one of the things um, I should mention here is that um, the good people at MDIF, they have this program called Amplify Asia. I'm sure you guys are already familiar with it. Um, for any listeners who aren't, um, it's basically a program where MDIF um, helps match um, newsrooms with coaches who can help them figure out revenue Either for you know for some um, for some places I'm sure that you know you have to start from scratch or for some places it's about looking at what they're doing and finding better ways to do, to do it and to grow it. Um, I think we're in that latter bucket. We already have a membership um, a membership program, um, but I think that um, we're looking um, with some help from MDIF um, at how we can um, bring in a better. Um, set of ideas and a better set of practices. I mean, um, basically to learn from everyone else out there. I think that that really summarizes it, right? I mean, I think the way that we've done our membership program so far is also, um, you know, learning from from what others have done. Um, but really, kind of, I think doubling down on membership as part of the future of the the organization. Rishad, I think your presentation in Kathmandu, where you were emphasizing the need to to be speaking to to members, but also potential members, which is something that we are doing, but I think that we need to be doing more of to figure out what is it that really would get you to hit that buy membership um, button. And I think, you know, we'd need to cast a wider net. Um, these are conversations that we've had, but I think with a relatively limited number of people, I'm keen to really throw the doors open. Um, and, and I think that, um, you know, again, Rishad, going back to what you were saying, I think that in a way that conversation with, with your readers is full of surprises. You don't really know what it is um, that they might offer. I mean, they could, I mean, some of it will be, I like this that you're doing. I don't like this that you're doing. Some of it could be just, here's a brilliant idea that has been sitting in my mind um, that, you know, nobody on our team ever thought of. 
Um, so I think that's one of the, the things that we're definitely keen to do. Um, there's also, I think, some challenges in terms of... Um, so Himal is based in Colombo, um, in Sri Lanka. Um, so there's... Um, challenges when it comes to payment gateways. I think that, you know, um, some economies or um, let's say India, for instance, I don't think payment gateways are as much of a problem here because you're um, maybe not spoiled for choice, but you do have quite a few to choose from. Um, In Sri Lanka, those kinds of choices are more constrained. But also when it comes to um, the tech stack, um, you know, these are also lessons from um, time at, um, at the caravan where a lot of um, the third-party um, providers, you know, when, when that allow you to do things like user segmentation, etc., um, on South Asian budgets, looking at the realities of the market here, and especially the media market, where we are not exactly swimming in money, to put it very mildly, um, a lot of those products are, are quite prohibitive or um, sometimes they don't quite um, have the the exact functionality that you would want for a membership program. They might be geared much more towards something like a a subscription system. Um, So I think that there's also some challenges there. So when you think about going to the audience and talking to them and asking them questions, what is the one question that you feel you need to ask that has never been asked before at Himal South Asian? Oh. I've not thought of that. And I don't know if I have an immediate answer. I think that, you know, I, I do have a sense of the questions that have been asked um, in the past, but I don't think I have an exhaustive sense. Um, so, you know, that, that's mm. a bit of a handicap. Maybe one, <laughs> one way to think about that is, is what do you not know that you need to know for the next six months? I think that what we need to know um, more than anything else is what's the one thing that we can do that would really get you to click on that uh, become a member button. Um, because I think we've asked that question of, of some people, but I think that um, we need to ask it of more people and we need a wider set of answers. I think in many ways, maybe the sample size is where um, I think we need to um, to change what we're doing. Um, and again, I don't expect a single uh, magical answer to come, but I think a better sense of what really moves people. I mean, I think that um, the things I've been telling you about the mission and, and how that moves moves our readers, um, you know, a lot of committed supporters of Himal. Um, this is um, information and an understanding that we've developed um, probably anecdotally more than anything else. Um, I am going to be looking at better ways to gather that kind of um, that kind of feedback, and you know, I mean, Jishad, again, um, thinking back to your your presentation in Kathmandu, I might be um, asking you for a few pointers on how to do that. So I think, you know, Alan, the more important question in my mind is, what's the best way to ask? Because the answers that I get back and that we as an organization get back from all of our our readers and supporters, I'm sure, will be very varied. And all of them will be very welcome. But I think finding a better way to ask and a better way through that asking to connect, to get better answers, more candid answers, more insightful answers that we can then act on is probably what I'm most um, excited about. Sometimes it's about figuring out what problem you're solving for your audience Mm -hmm. before you get to what problem you can solve for a larger audience. Part of what we do as places, we set up conversations with media organizations and their audiences. And we're constantly 
blown away by the answers because the answers are, are not just here's what we want from media, which is rarely the question you want to ask. It's usually it ends up redefining what you think of your media business. Mm -hmm. And that kind of, that is a weird and wonderful space to be in, uh, to hear your, your audience saying that to you. Yeah, listen, uh, thank you, Roman. Thank you for hanging out with us. Um, we're going to wrap this episode of Splice Pink. If you like our conversations with people across the media ecosystem and you want more, please subscribe. And better yet, share this with someone. Get in touch. We're on splicemedia.com. Thank you, guys. Yeah, man. Thanks for doing that. <laughs>